Welcome to North 100, your Canadian Highlander podcast of choice. I'm Serge. Joining me as always, we have Jer, Alex, and Liam, who today has tamed the beast. <laughs> um, thank you for joining us. Thank you. Um, as always, this podcast is brought to you by you over at the patreon.com slash run. We couldn't do this without your support, and we really appreciate it. Let's start with our opening segment like we always do. It's the best card you're not playing. Up today, we have Liam. What is your spicy secret tack? Yeah, so today we're talking about Gerard's Verdict. So, Oh, yeah. Wait, what? Yeah, it's card sweet. Card sweet. Mm -hmm. um, so this is a two-mana sorcery. It casts for a black and a white. Okay. Uh, and it reads, target player discards two cards from his or her hand. You gained three life for each land discarded this way. Um, so the reason this card's great is uh, a couple of things. Okay. Firstly... Uh, just like two mana, make your opponent discard two is like very powerful. Uh, cards like Hymdatroc, which do it randomly, are yep. like insane. Like that's the top end. Uh, yeah. This is yeah, probably yeah. the one rung below it. Yeah, yeah, I think this is, if, if you can cast it, this one's definitely the second best. Obviously, you have to be playing white mana as well, so you're not always going to be able to cast it, but oftentimes the black white decks yeah, are I mean, very attrition based. So. But you hmm. get, uh, like, you play this in the deck that plays like Tide Hollow Sculler. Maybe sometimes Sin Collector. Well, I think, or you play this in Control, which I is I was going to say, you'll even like play this play in, in midrange in Control, because mm. it, yeah. it's actually a really good card on turn two against aggressive decks. It's insane. Because at that point, they don't really want to discard spells, because they don't actually know how right. much gas they're going to need to actually finish the Control deck off, because yeah. well, you haven't you yeah. haven't started casting Wraths and removal spells well, for the most part yet. And against Monora, this card's insane too, right? Because each of their cards basically reads, like, deal three damage, huh. and so they're just left with this, like, choice of like, well, I guess I can pitch these lands and they'll gain three life each time I do, or I can pitch these spells which functionally re deal three damage and they'll gain, gain three, three life. life. Interesting. So I was exactly. ask, how relevant is the life gain with this? Super good. Huh. I, I even heard stories, uh, and, and like this doesn't come up super often, but I'm actually not the first person to play this. Uh, the person I, I heard of playing this card first was Alistair Norman, who hmm. I watched him in a game against like a, a red aggressive deck. He had like, gotten to late in the game, but his life total was low. He just targeted himself. Just pitch two lands, yeah. gain six what? life. What? Did you not um, see that line? No! Yeah. Target so, player! Yeah, so like obviously that's not gonna come up super often. <laughs> or like it, it's a pretty niche case. That just blew my mind. But Sorry. It's obviously, obviously relevant and good. Wow. There are some matchups where you'll discard three cards to gain six. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Huh. Okay, no, that just that just that got me. It's the thing you can do. So this came up in, in a conversation earlier. What do you, how do you compare this to Mind Wrench? And what's Mind Wrench? Wrench, Wrench, Wrench Mind. Wrench Mind, Wrench mind. Wrench mind. Black, sorry. Black for a sorcery that says target player discards two cards unless they discard an artifact. Okay. And we were arguing about this. Uh, <laughs> it sort of depends, right? Okay. Wrench Mind is double black. Okay. Um, so, so it's him to Torak, normally. It's right. not. <laughs> but, it's, it's, but it's also theor it's theoretically easier to cast, though... Like they're they're actually uh, the discard decks in Highlander are, are really black based and so it's okay they can usually hit black black but if I'm playing like a mid range or control deck I'd actually much rather have a black white cost than a than mm. a black black one. Hmm. Um, additionally, like this card this wrench mind usually reads they discard two sometimes it doesn't. Sure. Garage verdict always reads they discard two and plus sometimes you get additional value. Okay. So it really comes down to which one is is easier for your deck to cast or whether your deck can cast it at all. You can't cast Gerard's Verdict. Obviously, it's not better. That's what I think it is. But, yeah. it, but if you can cast both, uh, I think that Gerard's Verdict is, is superior. What is he doing in that picture? I think he's wrestling someone. Is he punching that's, through that's a person? No, it's like an ogre, and then it's Gerard. Yeah, giving, yeah, no, no, giving no, the ogre the um, what's what. Not, it's not Crovax, is it? I don't know. It's, I know, I know what Alex, this card does. Alex, I wasn't does. born when this story was, was well, me, circulating. Neither was I. Yeah, you 
What's, what's the date on that I card? Was too. 93, yeah, I was 2001? I don't know. 2001. So I was seven. Oh, it so is Krovax. That's Krovax. Not, not Ascendant Hero. This, one, this is the plane shift one. It's Krovax something or other. It's a black card. Really? Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, like, yeah. he's like miniature. He's a bad guy. Yeah, he's a bad guy. He's like miniature um, uh, Elish Norn because he pumps all Doc black there. creatures. There you go. Ascendant so, Evancar. So that's Gerard is punching. Yeah, he's fighting him. Huh. Yeah. It looks like he's just sort of like chucking him to the ground or something. Interesting. I had no idea that this was a card. Yeah, so he's got his like he's got a little <laughs> batleth thing and everything. Huh. Nice spot. Like, nice flavor yeah. spot there. Yeah. A heart of light and a soul of darkness cannot coexist. So chuck out your hand. <laughs> so as a result, discard two and I gain six. Well, thank you for sharing your, your spicy secret tech with us there, Liam. Not a problem. All right, let us introduce today's theme. Uh, so last episode we had a little episode we called Let's Talk About Control. Combo. That's not true. It was let's talk about combo. Uh, today we want to talk about tempo, and and as an aside, it looks like we're we're starting down a little mini series here, which is let's talk about X. Uh, so for those of you watching at home, if you want to see us go through archetypes, let us know in the combos. Hit us up in Twitter, but whatever. So today, tempo, uh, and to start that off, we need a brief introduction of what is tempo specifically in a hundred card singleton. Jer, what is tempo? So tempo is fundamentally a deck that wants to get a threat in play and then use all, all of its available resources to limit its opponent's resources such that your threat wins you the game. So it's it's like a traditional tempo deck. Blue-based tempo deck would be like a, a Delver deck. You play Delver of Secrets, mm -hmm. which is a cheap, evasive threat. Then you back it up with counter magic and bounce spells and maybe a, a removal spell. Or you play a cheap threat like Wild in the Cattle and, and Naya, and then you start blowing up their lands. Hmm. So you, you play, a, play a cheap threat, and then you want to utilize all your cards in hand, your life total, to limit your opponent's resources such that they can't cast their big comeback cards, like Wrath of God or Planeswalkers or whatever cards that you're not really set up to deal with, and you force them to play your cheap uh, resource-like game. It's just like, how good of an aggro game do you play, Control? It's like, not very good. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think this brings up uh, an important conversation, which is how do you evaluate if you're winning the game? Uh, and we've put together sort of four classic ways to see how a game is going to end. There's the life total advantage, the card advantage, uh, board advantage, and the doomsday clock. Uh, and so let's go down the list really quick here. Um, Liam, tell us about the life total advantage, which you'll normally find in like an aggro deck. Yeah, so life total advantage is, is something that aggro decks care about. To a lesser extent, maybe some like slightly more aggressively um, sort of bent mid-range decks might care about this sort of advantage. But it's basically the idea is your victory condition is going to be getting their life total to zero. And so their life total being lower is, is invariably better for you. You're going to ignore most other things in a game of Magic if it's ultimately going to result in their life total going to zero as quickly as possible. Uh, so next up we have card advantage, and I know you love two-for-ones. Like, what's what? how do you describe card advantage? I think Liam summed it up best a couple of episodes ago, ago when he said, like, card advantage is having more stuff. Um, whether you have more cards in your hand, more cards on the board, um, just being able to, like, play one card and get two cards out of it. So, like, Arc Trail, for example, is, is a good uh, card advantage card because you can play one card that will destroy two cards. Mm. Uh, there's a lot of spells that do that, but the idea of just like, you use fewer resources than it costs your opponent. 
in a lot of different zones? Uh, I'm going to talk about the Doomsday Clock. So com uh, Combo often finds itself in a weird spot where it's like, my life total is not zero, I don't care. My opponent has some number of cards in hand that don't interact with me, I don't care. But I finally put the pieces together and the game is over. So they're kind of playing their own game. And I'm bringing it back to Jer, who's talking about tempo. We have board advantage, which is what tempo cares about. What is board advantage? Uh, so board advantage is you have more stuff on the board. It, you're, you're pretty much ignoring resources available in hand because you're trying to limit the amount of resources that matters by keeping both players' resources light. And so this can also be summed up by mana advantage. So even if you're, you're even on mana, you're relying on the fact that your spells are cost less and interact with their uh, more expensive spells at a lower mana cost for you. So you, they're paying three mana to cast their Knight of the Reliquary, you're paying one mana to Vapor Snag their Knight of the Reliquary, and then hitting them in the face. Uh, for whatever reason, that reminded me of the flavor text on Dark Confidant. <laughs> yeah. Mm, Richness at any cost. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and so it's pretty funny in that one, because you're sacrificing a lot of the metrics that you traditionally would, would measure success within a game of Magic, and you're just like, no, none of this matters if I just win. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like as long as you have the board, you're, you're theoretically happy as a tempo deck. Yeah. So it's hard to, like, everybody knows that Unsummon is powerful and can be completely backbreaking, but it's weird. You're like, why doesn't Unsummon work in my X deck? And you're like, well, it's not always good because your deck isn't set up to take advantage of that because you, uh, what Tempo is trying to do is pay any cost necessary to make sure the game is done. Actually. Oh, actually. You know what's an even better card to assess in this sort of context? Sure. Time Walk. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Sometimes Time Walk is just Explore. What's Time Walk? Time Walk is one in a blue. Yeah. Sorcery. Take another turn. That, that seems just, good. Just take another turn. It's five points? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> five points currently. Um, but taking another turn, if you're not set up to win using that turn, is sometimes just... Eh. Yeah. Sometimes it's literally just draw a card, play a land. Yeah, but the, those are the, the bad time walks. The, this, <laughs> That's the, a bad time walk. the ceiling on time walk is super high. Obviously. Yeah, it's obviously yeah. super high. But your, your opponent's at 12, you have two three power creatures in play, they have no blockers, you attack them for six, you cast time yeah. walk, you attack them for six at one basically, game. Yeah, basically you attack for 12. So these are all examples of an important thing for tempo, which is why tempo decks can win while losing all these other classic advantage things we're talking about. Yeah, greatness at any cost. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, uh, Jared's talking about the example of I want to trade less mana for more mana, so I'm going to try and set them off their game at that. Alex is talking about trading turns. Um, and, and a classic example in tempo is, is setting them back a turn. Uh, somebody want to try and take that, that example? Yeah, for sure. So, so one thing that tempo is really looking to do is like a lot of the times in a tempo deck, your cards suck. <laughs> um, but they like have some power and toughness, yeah. Yeah. and as long as your cards that suck make their cards not do anything, even temporarily, it's actually fine. So a great example of this is something like uh, Temporal Spring, the really, I'm really sorry, powerful what? temple card. Oh, so this baby. is a, a one blue-green sorcery that says put target, cre uh, put target permanent on top of its owner's oh, library. And so yeah. in, in a tempo deck, if you just like play a mana dork on turn one and you're on the play and then they play a land, then you play your second land and you put their land on top of their deck. They miss their draw step, so they're not developing their hand. They don't have a land in play anymore, so they get reset back to turn one. Oh. And then all of a sudden they've played one land and you're untapping with four mana and you can go from there. 
It's um, so hard to recover from that. Wow, that's such a brutal card. It is, but at yeah. the same time, Can I build Sorensen now. It's it's <laughs> this card is not card advantage focused, right? You've just spent a card to sort of get a card because you put it on top of their deck. Your card, your card neutral, but it's it's like if the board is, if you're behind, or the board is even neutral, this card isn't doing really what you want it yeah, to do. Yeah. Like, like this won't catch you up into a game. Another before. another similar card is exhaustion. What is exhaustion? It's about? like time walk. It's it's <laughs> two and a blue for a sorcery, and it reads your opponent your opponent's at the beginning of your opponent's next turn, he or she skips untapping his or her creatures and lands. Don't think that's the oracle text. I, th anymore. I think it says they skip their untaps. Yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah, yeah. So they don't get to untap anything. They still get to draw, and they can play lands and spells and stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, but say. On, on their last turn, they tapped out to play a spell, you countered it, then you get to untap, attack them, play exhaustion. Just try and set. They're still tapped out. So it's, it's right, you know, I think you guys were right when you were saying before that, you're right, you play a lot of sort of suboptimal cards. If you compare it to mid-range, or, or the example, I mean, what you want to do with mid-range is have every draw you have be gas. Yeah. You're just like, this is nuts, oh, I don't want to play it, this is nuts, I want to play it, and you're like, I just drew Exhaustion. This is either going to be the most backbreaking card I've ever ripped off the or top of my library. Stone nothing! nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Temp Tempo's really polarizing in that sense. Your cards huh. are very effective in one context and completely useless in another, Enough. oftentimes. And so as the Tempo deck, if you get to assemble enough of the cards that are really good in the context that you want them in before your opponent can invalidate them, then, then you're likely to win the game. You know what? Tempo's almost like singing a song and if you miss a note it's just like <laughs> the rest of the you know way through the song yeah it's like ddr <laughs> playing no. tempo is like ddr it, it is, is a bit yeah as point. soon as you miss a step you're off i've always and that's the thing like tempo so many of these cards are set up so that if everything's going according to your game plan they're they're super backbreaking cards but as soon as tempo stutters and falls behind it it is often yeah. really really bad at catching back up because you're, it's you're cards playing a deck full of cards that suck aren't aren't <laughs> set up to do anything while you're behind. All right, yeah. let's try and talk about types of tempo, and we have sort of two. <clears throat> pardon me. There you go. Stretch your time there. Mm -hmm. uh, we have two sort of loose definitions for tempo. The first is we have traditional blue based tempo, and the second we have is. Land destruction, that nice, fun, friend-making archetype, the old <laughs> LD. <coughs> oh, I'm just going to cough directly into your soul. Sorry nice. about that. Uh, so for for Blue Tempo, uh, we have the Victoria Classic, the Sorensen, named after Robin Sorensen, sort of daddy of the the Tempo archetype where where we are here. Granddaddy's uh, another guy. Granddaddy, that's Granddaddy's Josh. Josh Lane. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, blue-based tempo decks have a lot of the spells we we're talking about. They have the unsummons. They have the, the the time walks and stuff like that. And then LD. I mean, we have red. I mean, almost always red. Okay. Yeah, you're usually red green based, and then you can splash another color if you want to, but you don't have to. Uh, usually, the splash color is, is is white or black. And and these decks are just looking to get ahead on mana and then play something that's hard to kill. So you're just like you play a dork, they play a land, you kill their land. You play a four drop, you kill their next land, yeah. you kill their next land, to, you kill to their next sort of, land. Um, finish the thought about Sorensen. Uh, mm. Sorensen is, is a blue green uh, based tempo deck. Mm -hmm. Very generously blue with a tiny splash of green for creatures. And it's basically uh, Highlander Miracle Grow. Because mm. the creatures it plays are really bad. <laughs> At first, yeah, 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 and then they get better later. So if you if you protect it long yeah, enough, the, it, it tries to stick a very inexpensive threat that grows larger over time, mm -hmm. um, and then 
backs it up with with cheap or free counter spells. So the kind of threats it plays are, are things like Query on Dryad or like Lore Scale Codal. Right, like the new one, Deep Root Champion. Deep Root Champion yeah, yeah, which yeah. Is a lot like that. Or like uh, the, the classic classic is Wake Thrasher. Yeah, oh. yeah Wake Thrasher's really good. Yeah, so these are all cards that what they have in common is that they don't cost a lot of mana and they can be gigantic yep. by the end of the game. Yeah. Um, and then you're just like keeping them from doing anything more, while you just crack in with this like bigger and bigger threat that they can't deal with. Yeah, more more recently they've been playing cheaper evasive threats as well because yeah. it, they found it's hard to keep the mid-range decks off the board and once they get onto the board, ground creatures are really hard to get through no matter how, how mm. big they are. You're just not so going to be able to... don't be... have evasion or like even trample. No, they're just planning on being big. Yeah. So like yeah, recently they've one. been playing cards like Skyrider, Elf, yeah. Gaia's Skyfolk. Yeah. D- I have dimensional infantry. I haven't heard of yeah. any of these cards. These are all basically <laughs> two two or two one flyers for two. Yeah. Oh, okay. so Skyrider oh, Elf. <laughs> Skyrider Elf is is blue green X with for a zero zero with flying, but it has converge and it enters the battlefield. <clears throat> With a plus one plus one counter on it for each color mana spent to cast it. I have so, seen a five five Skyrider Elf in the wild. Whoa. Yeah, so so minimum it's a it's a two two because you have to pay blue and green to cast sure. it. Sure. Uh, don't don't aether vial this. I was thing. gonna say, what if he aether vial it? But well, all right, he got it's me. not yeah. it's uh, not good. It dies with a state based action. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it, it has the potential to get bigger if you you're playing Bayou for Deathrite Shaman or you have Ooh. a Deathrite Shaman and can make. Or like or they're they're white or red Birds or of Paradise land. and Noble Hierarch, which is the way I saw the old five five get made. Exactly, <laughs> it, it can get bigger. Hmm. And guys, Sky Folk is literally just green blue for a two two flyer. Huh. Yeah. <clears throat> so just evasive stuff on that. Well, this gets us to uh, a fun thing, which is, what does this deck like? It doesn't. What does it beat? What are its matchups? Because as you mentioned before, it has a tough time against mid range. Um, are you building tempo differently based on the meta? Does it have classically good matchups, classically bad matchups? Like, why why do you want to bring this deck to to your local tournament? Yeah, so tempo really uh, takes a dump on combo. Uh, <laughs> it's it's really really hard to play combo against a tempo deck for for a variety of reasons. One, they almost always have a clock, and that's that's sort of part one of beating combo. Two, they always have disruption, right? They're playing sure. counter spells or they're blowing up your lands. So it's this combination of having a clock and being highly disruptive that makes tempo really quite good against the combo decks. Mm-hmm. Um, the other decks that you're you're not quite as polarizingly good against, but you're still pretty decent against, is control. Because um, okay. it, it depends on what brand of control, but certainly in the past, the control decks tended to focus on playing mana rocks into wraths and not having as much cheap interaction. And when you get to to trade your two mana or your one mana counterspell for their four mana sorcery. Uh, or Planeswalker. Or Planeswalker, right? Something like that. You would end up really far ahead in those kinds of instances. So combo, you beat pretty hard. Control, you're probably favored mm-hmm. depending on the build. Mm-hmm. I guess the other reason why tempo is good against control is tempo classically has one threat and then disruption. Which and control is hoping to generate card advantage by Wrath of Godding and getting two or three for one for that Wrath. And if they're only ever trading one for one with Wrath, you're just taking one of their card advantage tools away from them, which well, is how control really wants to win. It also yeah. tends to play like higher mana costed threats. So like if it wants to make sure it sticks those threats, it's going to have to get to like six mana. It's like mm. I, I need to stick this Elspeth to win and have mana drain up, but <clears throat> I know they have spell pierce or something like that. Have you ever had a consecrated Sphinx dazed? They go for their worm coil engine, and you're just like four spike question mark. Or they're like unsummon your worm coil. Like yeah. that just feels yeah, bad. Get, getting yeah. four and five mana spells 
four spiked feels feels really bad. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Meanwhile, you're you know driving in with these like one and two mana creatures that are you know evading all this stuff. Yeah. The the, the more modern control decks are moments. better dealing with this problem. Yeah. We, they've yeah. moved away from expensive threats. Have and, a lot of cheaper interaction. Yeah. And well, largely because they've had to. Right. Yeah. It's not it's not just like circumstantially this has come up. It's like you just, <laughs> your deck is much worse when you're when you're planning to go big. You've got to interact on a, on like the cheap scale and then look to get into the back into the game with card advantage and maybe you play like two or three six drops in your deck maybe sure. but some people have even cut those yeah this conversation especially like the battle over cheap counter spells and unsummons just reminds me of those games where like a trinket mage will come into play and resolve and then just beat the other person to death over nine turns. Yeah. It's like, really? Yep. Is this Trinket Mage just going to get there? And both players, there's like counter spells flying in the air and unsummons everywhere. And this Trinket Mage is just like, well, really? No, nobody? Control decks play less removal than you think they would do as well. Like you alluded to this, they're looking to leverage their wraths a lot of the yeah. time. And especially like if you're playing against like blue white control, there are not that many spot removal spells in that deck, mm. right? They no. have Swords, Path, Condemn. Maybe they're playing de Declaration in Council's Stone, judgment. Council's Judgment. Sometimes they'll play um, Unexpectedly, unexpectedly absent. absent. But mm. that's, and you can, yeah, you can play Blessed Alliance. Pardon me. But, but there's not that many, right? There's like less than 10, which means that the odds that they have multiple in a hand actually kind of low. So if you can Counter stop yeah. their first spot yeah. removal spell. Also, if they have to spend like a four mana wrath to get rid of your one guy, you're pretty stoked about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. An right. Another reason to play tempo is that I think it's one of the more challenging archety archetypes to play mm. throughout a tournament. Like sometimes you'll run into combo a bunch and you'll run over them. them. But navigating other matchups with tempo is is really really interesting because, as we mentioned before, you're like trying to stick a threat and then use all your resources. And then the classic tempo victory is you win with like one unblocked creature, no cards in hand, all your mana's tapped. Like yeah. That's like the you classic. You got there with the very and last so, card in your hand. Yeah, and so like managing your resources such that you get to that point is often very challenging and feels super, super fun. The games yeah. are really interactive. My yeah. my experience playing tempo is I've either just like I feel bad for my opponent. I'm unsummoning everything. I'm perfectly countering every spell, and they've never been in it. Or I'm just so hopelessly behind that I'm like, this deck is garbage. Why don't I even show up today? I just feel bad about myself. Because it, it often doesn't have catch-up mechanics. Like, we're talking about these cards like Exhaustion. If you're behind playing Tempo, it sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know how else to put it. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the all of these grow creatures, it's like if you draw them late in the game, it's like, I need to inflate this in a big hurry or I'm dead. Well, and, and that's that's exactly why Sorensen has moved away from them. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, it cut still all plays the like three mana ones, but play some of the two plays mana ones. Still Mana Yeah, that one's the stone dumb. nuts, though. What's, yeah. the, what's, has the mer trample. what's the merfolk one that just like poops out little squid babies? Oh, Chasm Skulker. Yeah, yeah. it's a squid horror. Really? Yeah. Like, like Alex and I are both shocked. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, is it Chasm Skulker just like the nut? It, it's a one one for three. Mikey designed this card. Mikey Newman did design this card. So Chasm Skulker is a three mana one one. Whenever you draw a card, put a plus one, plus one counter on it. When it dies, you get X one one blue squid tokens with Island Walk for every counter you had on it. And I thought this card was just like a staple in tempo. And today I learned that it's just a three mana one one. So, so one thing that we, uh, yeah. So, so one thing we haven't talked about this yet, but um, tempo is actually kind of in a rough place in the metagame currently. It's hard to play tempo. Um, there weren't that many combo decks. There's like been the recent points changes. Hopefully, bringing more combo decks into the metagame. Sure. Which, should bring tempo back, but one of the reasons the tempo has really been struggling lately is the rise of the blue-based mid-range decks like Jeskai. Um, so Jeskai is like 
sort of a tempo deck. That's what I was going to say. That but, always felt like a tempo deck But to it's me. not, because okay. if they're playing basically no counter spells. They play like eight, seven or eight. They just play the good ones. Okay. All their spells are good, right? Oh, they're just okay. playing a bunch of good spells, <laughs> and they, they can play a tempo and, game plan sometimes, but they don't always. So the problem with cards like Chasm Skulker is that you play your Chasm Skulker, yeah. and maybe you have another card in play, maybe you don't, and then your, your Jeskai opponent goes, looks at your Chasm Skulker, looks at the three mana you spent on it, electrolyzes it, does a damage to you, draws a card and kills your threat, and moves on with their life, right? Like, uh, or, they're, or they're forked bolt it for one mana, right, or they're arc trail sure. it and kill both your threats. Right, both you had something you wanted to play. jump in with there. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that that's the reason that these cards don't start out huge is also a reason why they're weak to aggro and midrange. That's basically what I was going to say, mm. is that it, aggro is very good at playing the resource-like game that Tempo wants to play, and often Tempo's unable to trade up on mana yeah, with, with their spells with aggro, and aggro's just better at dealing 20 first. Huh. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you need like a pretty sweet haymaker out of the Tempo deck, like often you rely on cards like True Name Nemesis. And, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's like red-based aggro has access to Lightning Bolt and stuff. So and many ways to kill it. white-based aggro has First Strike. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, so... and, and I think the most important thing is what, what Jair was getting at. Their cards cost one and two. When you unsummon a one-drop, you're not actually getting ahead on mana like you sure. are if you unsummon a Consecrated Sphinx. Or even, you know... Or a Tessiger. Right, when you unsummon you something that costs four. I just love that our definition for a second there is just like, Tempo's like mid-range, but it plays bad cards. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, I'm like, that, I, I, that doesn't work and it shouldn't work and I hope we're not describing it that way but that's how it comes across it's like it, why would you ever play tempo when you could just put good cards in your deck I mean it sort of is but uh -oh. like those bad cards are good in certain matchups like, sure. yeah. mid, mid range's worst matchups typically are control and combo decks yeah. and tempo's best matchups are typically control and combo decks mm. yeah. so like Tempo issues like playing the good mm. four and five drops that mid range gets to play that makes them good against aggro and tempo decks. Yeah. For cards that are very good at closing out games, which makes them very good at decks that either do nothing and then win out of nowhere. Combo decks. Liam. Or, <laughs> or, or decks that try to like set up a hand and then interact all at once, which is mm. control decks. Like they'll like try to find a wrath and then cast it. But if you either disrupt them finding it or disrupt them casting it, you can just kill them if they never get to untap again because of exhaustion or they never get to draw their wrath because sure. you keep temporal springing yeah. them. Or you make it un unfavorable to cast the wrath because it's just a one for one. You're like, this is just bad. I'm exactly. You have a Vendillion click that's dealt them nine damage and you're looking at them and you're like, you got to kill this somehow. <laughs> well, and I, think to go I don't back, have to do anything. To, to go back to what, what Alex talked about right at the beginning of the show, right, where he was saying time walk, super, super interesting uh, card to talk about in, in the tempo context. Yeah. Um, in most decks, time walk isn't a, su a super situational card, right? Like a lot of decks, time walk is just good. You're going you're gonna to find a way to use it. The reason why it's situational in tempo is that if you're in the situation that Jared and I are talking about where, you know, you're sort of behind, you don't have a creature on board, and you're going to top deck, and you top deck time walk, I mean, it's just a redraw, right? It does, it does actual nothing. Hmm. Um, and that's going to happen in tempo, not half the time, but some amount of the time. You're just not going to have anything on board. You're going to draw this time walk, and it's not going to do anything. Or you're going to be ahead. You're going to have stuff on board. Your Mana Gorger Hydra is going to grow one from you casting the time walk. You're going to hit them with this giant Mana Gorger Hydra. Then you're going to take another turn, and you're going to snap cast your time walk, and they're going to die, right? Like, they're, <laughs> they're super polarized. And I think people will, will, be, will be a little apprehensive of accepting this sort of definition, um, but it's worth noting that I sort of talked about drawing it when you have nothing in hand. 
But a lot of the time, tempo functionally has nothing in hand, right? You'll you'll draw it, and you'll have three other cards in your hand, but your three cards are like unsummoned against the control deck, and then you'll have, have like no a force spike that's long since outlived right. its utility, Turn 12. right? And then and then your last card <laughs> is like. I don't know. It's your. It's an exhaustion, or it's it's some like it's into the royal. It's some other bounce spell. It's super situational. Right, situational. Not going to get you a whole lot of value, and it's certainly not going to work with this time walk. Hmm. Um, it's like so, I need a threat to crack in twice with. Yeah, absolutely. So if we were if we were looking at standard, if we we're looking at sort of like a solved meta game, and we're almost describing tempo as a rogue deck as this thing that comes in and it preys specifically on one deck that you know might show up in the top table, but doesn't have very good matchups on like that. What's well, the deck that beats the <clears throat> tier one deck, I guess? But I mean, for a long time, a long time, Sorensen was a tier one deck. Yep. So mm -hmm. what what caused it to fall from glory? Why, why do we find ourselves in, in hashtag combo winter? <laughs> and, and, and you know, in a tempo dry spot. Well, re recently they've been printing over the past like five years. They really okay. started pushing creatures. Like they've been printing like one of the ones that jumps out to me in instantly is Brimaz, King of Arescos, which is yeah, one white white, so one good. white white for a three four vigilance that whenever it attacks or blocks, you make a one one white creature with vigilance that's King also Kitty. attacking or blocking. Yeah. So it intentionally attacks and blocks as a four five for three mana, goes super wide. It's like one of those army in a can cards that you talk about. That's like just has on like offense and so much utility. Yeah. It has yeah. four toughness for some reason. Why does it have four toughness? Yeah, it and, doesn't die to lightning bolt. And so they, and another one is like Kalidus. That card is super oh, super good. Man. Two, two yeah. and two black for a three four with lifelink. Also whenever, a three four. <laughs> whenever you kill an opponent, whenever an opponent's creature dies. You exile that card instead of putting it into the graveyard so it doesn't actually die. This card. And you get a zombie. Yeah, weirdly, uh, kind of hates out creature based combo. Yeah. Some, yeah. some types of creature based combo, this will incidentally hate it. And so the, the, exiling stuff. They've yeah, just been, been printing some like really insane yeah. mid range cards that make it so that like you're more and more incentivized to just start playing the best cards because the best cards keep getting better. Hmm. Yeah, like cards like Leovold, right? Like Leovold yeah, is just another oh super good, good and example. The, the tempo decks get to play Leovold, right? Like they, they get to put it in their deck as well. But the problem is... It's not is, as good in their yeah, deck. Yeah, exactly. When they target your thing and you draw an extra card, sometimes you're drawing something that's useless. Hmm. And sometimes you're drawing something that's good, but you'd rather just play it in a deck where you always draw something good. But also, th these cards are good... Like typically, when when the game's going to continue to go long, and those games always favor the mid range deck over the over the tempo deck. Yeah. So, largely, it's the uprising of mid range that is. Leovold, emissary of trust. Oh sure. You, you may not actually be familiar with because he's banned in commander, for good reason. Is, is he banned uh, in regular commander? I think so. He's he's blue what? black green, for a three three, uh, legendary elf advisor. Each opponent can't draw more than one card each turn. Ow. Uh, Whenever you or a permanent you control becomes the target of a spell or ability an opponent controls, you may draw a card. Really tried to get myself my opponent with this once, where I targeted three of their things, hoping they would draw three cards and then die to, die to their dark confidant. Fortunately, they saw the line that it's a may and didn't draw cards. <laughs> yep. Yeah, uh, Leovold was banned in the latest round of commander bannings, and uh, no one was really that upset about it. Yeah, he draws a lot of cards Fair and enough. he like breaks your opponent's draws because like. Not being able to draw more than one card means like even your little count cantrips don't work. Yeah. It's so annoying. Ponder was like, look at the top three, put them back. Brainstorm is just backbreaking. I, <laughs> I had a pretty sweet brew with 
this and Notion Thief in the same deck, and I, I played four color and had like Wheel of Fortune and Time Twister in my deck. Woof. So my opponent, I, oh. I was trying to like leverage, draw, se draw sevens and <clears throat> making it so I got to draw seven and they didn't. You know what's better than symmetrical effects? Unsymmetrical <laughs> effects. Just like balance. To, to symmetrical to, effects. To what tempo is, what's really caused tempo to struggle sure, a little yeah. more in recent, in recent times. I think another thing that you can point to is people have really um, sort of uh, developed the removal suites in their deck to be a lot better against tempo as well. Yeah. So like two or three years ago, a card like Flame Slash wasn't a card we saw very often. No. Uh, this it's is just like so a one popular right now. Yeah, just a one red sorcery deal four damage to target creature. It's like, good. Yeah, that card's very good, but at the time didn't get played a bunch. No. And, I thought it was garbage for the longest time. Right. And and it was just unpopular. But again, like when we saw these Jeskai decks and, and subsequently afterwards, a lot of other decks like Red Green Aggro started playing Flame Slash. Yeah. Well all of a sudden if if you're Sorensen or if you're some other tempo deck, your plan of like Okay, let's say you're the land destruction deck, and you go blow up your land, play my four drop. My four drop is some four toughness creature. They go, well, okay, I only have one land, but I'm still killing your thing, right? And so all of a sudden, it became very challenging to leverage tempo because people hmm. started playing more and more of the conditional cheap removal that that is like obviously like flame slash not as good as lightning bolt a lot of the time. Yeah, but when you need to kill a four toughness creature, it's great. It's well, really, really, really good. The difference between three and four toughness yeah. in our format is a lot more than you'd think. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, it's a because a lot more than you'd yeah, think. People will often play four toughness creatures in the hope to dodge red removal. And, and the theory is that most red removal deals three or less. Only three, yeah. And they're like, surprise, we got four. And so having red removal, like Mizzy and Mortars and Flame Slash that deals four is often really important because <clears throat> it sort of gets the people who are trying to dodge mm -hmm. the removal suite you're playing. Did we want to revisit a couple of the other sort of classic um, list types? Because we mentioned, we talked a lot about Sorensen, and we sort of vaguely mentioned... Yeah, LD. I guess one of the so other... I think Graham wants to jump in real well, quick. Well, I just here. wanted to double check. What? I, I, apologies if we've already talked about this. Mm -hmm. Why is it called Sorensen? What does that Named mean? Named after a Robin Sorensen. Okay. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah. He, he played it for a long time. Too. People thought he was crazy to play cards like Stifle and Temporal Spring and Lore Scale Codal. Turns out when you stifle their fetch land uh, and you have a Delver, um, you win? Well, it was also things like Unsummon Your... Darksteel Colossus after you cast Tinker. Yeah. Right? Uh, Man, we ain't seen Tinker played in a long time. Well, mm. just got lowered. They just got lowered. So we'll but yeah, so I, I mean, he he sort of came in and was able to really <laughs> destroy the metagame with this deck, actually. I mean, did, yeah. Did, like, to continue this tangent, did he come in, like, right after we had, like, uh, um, Storm on that, like, Harsh Heater? No, 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 even no. Before he, he, I mean, he's been playing forever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like yeah. Robin's like one of the original Highlander players, like pretty much, yeah. Early two mm. thousands playing Highlander. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, so we talked almost not exhaustively because we could talk about blue based decks forever. Well, let's uh, let's spend some time talking. I don't okay, know what that noise was. <laughs> talking about uh, LD decks and how does that differ from a like. Land destruction is very oppressive and sometimes an unattractive strategy. How is LD a tempo deck? I think this is one that's uh, oftentimes very confusing because when people think of tempo, I think pretty classically they tend to go to blue cards. They think counter spells. Yeah. They think, yeah. Uh, yeah they I think mean, it's the most obvious form of it tempo. It is, definitely. Spell piercing a five drop, people can understand how that like, might be yeah. a good tempo Yeah, play. I mean, like casting Mana War. 
Yeah, to, you can get that. Yeah. You can grok that. And it's funny because tempo is one of these things, like, it's been sort of, like, a meme in the magic community for a little while, right? Like, LSV had, like, three or four streams in a row where he'd, like, do something in a draft and be like, now did I just acquire tempo? And the answer is almost <laughs> never yes. Um, but, like, obviously the chat would be like, oh, yeah, that was definitely a great tempo play. Great tempo play, LSV. Excellent work. Um, and, like, some people were joking, some people weren't. But it's actually kind of challenging to understand. Um, but so the reason that land destruction fits in with this sort of tempo definition is uh, it's playing to the board, right? Like you get yeah. rid of a land on the board for them while you make your land drop every turn. And you're interacting with a resource that is otherwise very challenging to interact with, which is their mana. Hmm. So you're looking to get ahead on mana and you're looking to do so like qu quickly, theirs. right? Like not like a control deck where you just like are gonna play a land more turns in a row than they are. You're looking to just get rid of their lands after they well, play them. Well, you wanna them. get up and them down at the same time. Right, yeah, yeah, exactly. You get to play stuff like one Vuli Acid Moss. Yeah, yeah our card's actively quite good. Two, two green green for a sorcery what? that destroys a land and one you get to search Vuli for a forest. Acid I think moss. it's a basic forest. Two green green. No, so it's just a forest, forest card. Sorcery. Lord. Yeah, you, you destroy target land, search for any forest, which includes a duel, and put it into play tab. Monvuli. Yep. Yeah, Monvuli. <laughs> so there is a tempo play. This is, this is a two-for-one. It's a two-for-one. Uh, yeah, yeah, but the, the two-for-one element isn't, isn't why we're playing it, right? Yeah. Like, right. the fact that it ramps us is good. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I lost No! <laughs> you were fine. trying, you were trying. I, I, yeah, I tried. Uh, one, one thing that's kind of sweet about uh, the land destruction decks is that Oftentimes, where, where they're going to struggle is you need to make sure that you have a good balance of land destruction, threats, and ramp. Mm. Um, and with, ramp. Well, yeah, because you want to play the land destruction faster mm. than turn three, which is where most of it oh, okay. most of it starts. Um, yeah, there's there's not a lot of playable land destruction at two. Like, no, and it's basically sinkhole, and that's it. Uh, yeah, there's sinkhole. There's also the boom bust fetch land trick, or sure. like there's like yeah. some tricky ways you can. But get it's still to like a three drop. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so so your deck often has no deck manipulation. Which means you have to find sneaky ways of getting extra threats into your deck, uh, and so such as I see that grin. You're going oh, somewhere. Boy. You you know what I'm about to talk about, Jerry? You know this card? I'm scared. The Nelson Sellahub special. What? Which one? Pan glacial worm. Oh yeah. <laughs> this card isn't good. <laughs> this card is great in land destruction and all. All right, hold on. What, what I mean, is pan glacial worm? So oh, pan no. glacial worm is a. I actually can't see the mana cost. Five green court. green. Yeah. Five green green. So a, it's a seven drop. It's a seven yeah. drop, nine five with trample. But uh, the important thing is, while you're searching your library, you may play Panglacial Worm from your library. <laughs> so basically, the point is, you kind of always have this in hand if you have like a fetch land or some ramp spell. And so if you're playing like Naya or Jund Land Destruction, and you top deck a fetch land on a turn where you really need to draw a threat, well, congratulations, you it's also did. a threat. What tempo deck plays a seven drop? Not, not many. Okay, <laughs> just land destruction. <laughs> I. I think it, even in LD, you want to try to stop at six for the most part. I mean, uh, and I remembered what I was going to say sure, earlier. Sure, yeah, please. Is that the difference between land destruction and blue tempo based tempo decks traditionally? Yeah, is that LD decks typically want to spend their first few turns like cast like this is their ideal curve: one drop accelerant, either a mana dork or a wild growth sure. type type thing. Yeah, blow up your land, blow up your land, blow up your land, maybe attached to a body. And then play a big thing, huh? So, so they're like, so sort of doing the. Turns. They're sort of doing the opposite. They're like keeping your opponent on turn one for four turns, hmm. and then playing a five drop, and then being like, "All right, you have seven cards in hand. I have two. 
but I have a five drop. I'm on turn five. You're still on turn yeah, one. You we have don't two have lands removal. In play. I guess yeah. I guess this definition of tempo fits our other thing, which is like if you're behind and you rip an LD spell, so it's bad, so bad, so bad. <laughs> actively horrendous. Yeah. And it, it's worth noting. I mean, we're we're talking about it as though this is like an established, well-known archetype. People don't really play no. land destruction. Like it is an archetype no. you can play, but it's really inconsistent. I've seen it in lock pieces in combo. If you're playing like stacks, I play LD, but it's normally like eight drop planeswalker Ganon. So, <laughs> Graham. Well, it, when you were talking about getting your land destruction spells out there as quickly as possible, it sounded like you were going to give examples of a good way to do that, and then you talked about, uh, about the <laughs> Panglacial Worm, which, which, is, which is awesome, yeah. and I love it. But um, is, is, the, is it just like... So you're all, playing, is it just like get all the moxes or like how do you? Yeah, you're, you're playing some like mana dorks. You're playing chrome mox. You're playing mox diamond. You're playing wild growth. Utopia sprawl. Like getting getting acceleration on turn one is super important because yeah, ideally it's really good in this deck. Uh, like ideally you want to cast LD spell on turn two. Yeah, I got. There's so many of them that are three mana. Yeah, yeah. I got just straight crushed by a jund. Uh, LD deck, Ooh. but it was really low to the ground, like really, really low to the ground. There's curve. Was this Pat? Maybe the curve ended at four, and that was for cards like Avalanche Rider, oh, wow. which is a two-two for four for three and a red that has haste and echo and ETB destroy a land. But it was it was like this definition that we've been talking about here about this big LD deck is very different from the nightmares that I remember of <laughs> just getting there, stomped by deck. There are definitely LD decks that also play a lot of cheaper thets. Like, I played a green-black LD deck for a while that played, like, very few mana sources, played, like, all the moxes, and just played, like, the good two drops and three mana hmm. Yeah, LD so you were just, like, trying to get and, to three and then hand stop. attack, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, let's 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 get to the point. Like, why? Who here has played tempo? I think we've all played a tempo deck I before. You had your blue white skies. I guess that's technically a tempo. Close, deck. maybe. Oh, that one's a little bit more aggro. It's sort of hedged, I think. Yeah. Um, I've enjoyed it. I mean, I think I definitely have reasons to play it. Um, again, it, 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 it feels very hit or miss. Like, when you're playing it and it's going well, you feel like a genius and you can't be beat. And when it's losing, you're just like, why did I slave up 100 piles of garbage? I, <laughs> I don't know. 100 individual flattened piles of garbage. Yeah. Yeah, I'm way less excited to play Tempo now than I used to be. And I, I'm hoping when it, that there will be more combo decks in the metagame so that I can yeah. feel better about doing it. Because I, I really like playing the archetype, actually. I think... Uh, the first tournament I actually won hmm. in Highlander was playing Bant Tempo. Huh. Um, I think so. Yeah, I, I, mean, I think like, I either won with Blade first or Tempo, but but one of the two. And well, I mean, like he was hoping that your prey comes back. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the thing. Yeah. Interesting. So here's the question: Is this the sort of deck that you can show up and pilot well and have a good matchup, or do you think it's super meta dependent? Like it's just you're you're not going to do well. Well. Tempo decks typically don't have any like super abysmal matchups. When we say they're bad against mid-range, they're like maybe 40-60 against mid-range, so mid-range is going to be you more often than not, but it's not like you can't win. Yeah. And if you're super familiar with your deck and you you play it well, you have you have a pretty good chance of winning any, any match with Tempo. Well, I, I actually think Tempo is a really good deck to pick up if you if you sort of think like I'm only really going to build one deck, like and I want to build a deck and get really good at playing that deck. Tempo is a uh, gonna reward you for knowing your deck better than your opponents Definitely. more than almost any other archetype. It does seem very rewarding from a skill perspective. Yeah, it like, is. It, yeah, it yeah. sounds like the kind of archetype that will make you a good magic player. Yeah, and <laughs> it, it will take some practice because the games where 
you play wrong, you're going to lose really badly. Um, so it's just important to like not stress about that too much, not worry about how badly you lost, but rather just like find the swing point where it happened and then, and then build it from there. where your misplay was. Yeah, exactly. Jer? It's, it's also a really good deck if you like tuning your deck to the meta because there's mm. often a lot of tech slots in tempo. And so if, if you enjoy like analyzing a meta game and figuring out, all right, I'm probably going to play against this deck. What kind of tech slot can I have in my deck for that? It's a also, it can reward you I guys mean, as well. As we as we mentioned, I think pretty early in the episode, if you got a real hate on for combo and you want to punish them, yeah, yeah. play tempo. Yeah, play yeah. bug tempo. It has all the pieces you need to poke it. That, like you just right you just want to like hold them at arm's length and slowly lower them into a vat of acid. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like pretty insidious. <laughs> Well, that I'm, being said, when I came back and Flash Hulk was popular, I immediately sleeved up Grixis Tempo, so... Eh. The second deck I ever played, so the first deck I played was a, a, a an Abzan Commander pre-con that I just like ripped apart, the Gave of the Spores or whatever deck. Uh, was So this first deck, I, second deck I played, pardon me, and the one I really tuned was uh, Blue White Skies Artifact Tempo. It was kind of everything, because I was kind of a mess member, and deck. I still am. And, it, and I always thought it was great, because I came in, you're like, I have removal, I have counter spells, I have like aggressive threats, I should have game against everything. And it's kind of disheartening to be like, well, there's some matchups that just kind of suck. I remember John Jeffrey, an old friend of mine, had this blue-white control deck and just crushed me, but I never tuned my deck to beat his deck. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And just getting just getting goozled by Wraths that came out of nowhere. I was like, ah, oh, you mystical tutored, and I just can't beat this card. <sighs> Didn't have Shadow down your deck. Oh, secret tech oh, that, shadow. Yeah, deck. yeah, that's a card that punishes people. I guess, I guess that's the way you can sort of tune your deck. If you're, if you're worried about tutor effects, you put in shadow doubt. You put in Aven mind sensor. If you really want to goozle people, you go the stifle package with like it and void slime. And there's all these fun ways you can so bind disallow now. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And and stifle bird, whatever its name is. Nimble, Nimble structure. Oh yeah. man. Yeah. You can just get stifle people did in you, so did many ways. Did anybody ever play against? Um, Matt Greer's uh, blue-black tempo deck. Oh yeah, uh, I, I, I was the inspiration for well, that yeah, deck. Jer, Jer and I designed a blue a budget blue-black tempo deck for the old podcast, huh. and Matt Greer took that and made it not it budget. Just, and it's just stifled everyone into the dirt. It plays every single stifle effect. Stifle. Have, have any of you seen Interdict before? No. <laughs> Please tell me about this card. Alright, it's one and a blue for an instant. It says interrupt on the card. but it <laughs> Don't be fooled. It counters... Okay. An activated ability uh, of an artifact, creature, enchantment, or land, and you draw a card. So when I, I'm, I'm reading the and card in front what? of me here, and that, that that's not what that card says. I'm yeah, teasing you. It's, it's the same word. It's obviously been. It's obviously yeah. so abilities of that permanent can't be played again this turn. Yep. Yes. Dang. So like, if you interdict a scavenging use, it's done. Oh. Now, granted, well, they can respond. They can to respond. The yeah. But like, your opponent on. might not. Yeah. Oh, not responding to abilities. Oh, I'll have to save that for uh, or, my, my or turn Or if up. you interdict a birthing pod activation, they can't then play Deceiver Exarch, untap it, and... Yeah. Alex! Also, they still have to sacrifice the creature if the you code. get a birthing yeah, pod it's activation. Good against, like, survival hey, B, we're coming too. for you! <laughs> oh, if they only have one creature in hand? Well, they just still discarded the creature, even, right? Like, yeah. sure, they can, like... Sure, 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 yeah. Maybe activate it again, but they might just be out. Graham? Uh, just, it does mention, in case anyone at home is interested, mm. that you can't uh, target mana abilities. Yeah. 
So you can't shut down a man generating ability. No. But yeah, you can't. Where they can't activate. Fetch lands, you can. Yeah. It's it's yeah. in the Oracle text. Yeah, all, okay. that's why I was ability. that's why I was just reading the Oracle right, text. Right, because man, yeah, yeah, yeah. That but yeah, sense. the Oracle text is uh, that permanence activated abilities can't be activated this turn. Yeah. But that's not super yeah. integral. Like you can even <laughs> stop devoted druid. Yeah, cool. Because yeah. of the way that works. is a really great example of a tempo card because it's like if you if you turn like one or two stifle the activation on their fetch land, you feel like a god. Yeah, one mana and stone then, rain's pretty good. And then like turn five or six when there's nothing to do, it's like this is a one mana do nothing. Unless you, I was gonna say stifle has a lot more utility than yeah. people think. Like the I've. I've stifled quite a few Planeswalker ultimates. That's like, yeah, that's what good. I was going to say. Yeah. If you stifle a Stoneforge activation... That card's a 1-2. It, it's like they just played a Squire. <laughs> yeah, it's good. Sometimes. You, can, you can sometimes get um, Storm Triggers. Yeah, you can... Yeah, um, the storm Suspend th Triggers, too. Yep. Leave that yeah. card and Suspend forever. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, yeah, a like small that. side note on how you want to do that, because there's two separate triggers. Yep. There is uh, a trigger where they remove the counter. Yep. Let that one happen. Of course. Yeah. There's a second trigger where they get to cast the spell, stifle that one. And then, yeah. and then the spell ends up in exile forever. Yeah, right. there's a spell that lets them cast it from exile. Huh. Or a, a trigger, right? Or uh, there's something on the Yeah, uh, sorry, a, a trigger that lets them cast it from exile. It's in May, isn't it? What? It's a May trigger? Like, isn't it? You mm -hmm. may cast it from no, exile? No, you have you to. You have to? Oh, okay. Yeah, it, it, in, in competitive, that doesn't matter as much. If they miss it, you can just... For whatever reason, if they remove the time counter and then don't cast it, it just gets goozled. But that's... Yeah. Totally different. Um... Before we go to our, our, our concluding statements, anybody have anything they want to add about Tempo? We covered a lot. We, we talked about what it is, how different decks want to win, uh, the two types we have, which we broke down as blue versus LD. Do we like it? The metagame, a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I think I would, I would say really quickly, we, we spent a non-zero non amount of time on this episode talking about how Tempo wasn't good. Um, <laughs> and it's important to note that, like, like Jar said, we mean it has a bunch of 40-60 matchups right sure. now. You can play tempo and be successful. If you think this is the kind of deck you want to play, put it together, practice oh, a yeah. lot, play a lot, and, and don't get too bogged down in losing some games really badly because you're also going to win some games really badly. And, and as Liam mentioned, this is actually one of the archetypes that rewards you the most for just like putting your head down and just like playing a bunch of tournaments with this deck. You'll notice your record improve over time for sure. So... You might also just be able to dominate your local metagame with the right tempo list. If, if people don't adjust to what happens and you find the list, you could just be a god. <laughs> uh, so let's go to our, our closing statement. And up now we have powerful magic. Uh, <laughs> uh, and today's powerful magic story is going to be Jer. Jer, tell us your secrets. All right. So I'm going to start this off by saying I hate draws. Uh, oh, you mean like games that go to a draw? Yeah, okay. normally I enjoy losing more than I like draws. Sure, okay. Uh, I just feel very unsatisfied after a draw. Like, if you lose, you know, you can look back and be like, all right, I maybe did this wrong, maybe did that wrong. Go get some water. <laughs> but if you draw, it means time's out. You're rushing yeah. to get to the next round. Yeah. Nobody no won. You're both out of the tournament. Yeah, that's or, an important You're both note. out of winning in, the in tournament. In Victoria Highlander tournaments, a draw is as good as a loss. Yeah, yeah. So drawing in Highlander feels real bad, but I've had one draw in my, the history of my Highlander career, which was like that maybe, felt good. maybe one of the most satisfying <laughs> games I've ever played. So I was playing an Abzan midrange deck uh, okay. story. in, in a, a Highlander staples tournament. So it was like a big tournament with a top eight. And then I think I was judging this event. 
usually. Yeah. Um, what was the prize? Staples. I, I can't remember. <laughs> Sta staple cards. We don't give you like staples for a stapler. Yeah. Uh, and I was playing against Ben Wheeler, who's another pretty yeah. Uh, figure like person. Yeah. A person in, of in, Hi in Highlander. He's this guy. And uh, <laughs> he just started playing a new archetype called Cradle Hoof. Oh. Oh boy. And it was like right after. It was like six months after Avacyn restored, so people hadn't been playing this deck, this archetype long, but they just printed Crater Hoof Behemoth. Yeah, he discovered, he, we, I can probably give Ben credit for inventing the hoof archetype as we know it. I think he called it Cradle to the Grave at that point, he too. Did. Mm. I like the, the name we have now a little yeah, bit better. Yeah, we've definitely adopted the better name. Yeah. Uh, and so it uses uh, Crater Hoof Behemoth and a lot of mana generating creatures to get it into play earlier and then win. I mean, he described it as like a hypermana strategy. Yeah. That's just looking to stick some yeah. sort of gigantic idiot. And so normally Abzan midrange isn't great in this matchup, but I had I had some good cards. Uh, we played uh, two pretty close games. One one game I was able to get GT online Ooh. and sort of get it. Thank you for pronouncing it correctly. Not, the not okay, this is just like a brief aside. Nothing tilts me more than people calling it like JIT. Or Jeet, I heard once. It's like, Kamigawa right. is a Japanese set. It's pronounced Jite. <laughs> All right. Thank you. <laughs> I did it. Um, sure yeah, so I was able to win one game with... Kind of looks like Jite. Gif. <laughs> okay. All right, Con continuing on. I was able to win one game with Jite. Uh, he was able to overrun me the other game. But mm. then we were into this really grindy game three. Okay. I had, it was like turn 10. I had Knight of the Reliquary out. I had Thrun out. I had maybe... Four, four other creatures. I had Yavimaya Hollow, Maze of Ith, which are some... Secret tech Yavimaya Hollow. That card's so some good. Some utility lands. It gets people so bad. So um, pretty set. Pretty set. I was able to keep his board under relative control. I'd cast a Zealous Persecution, which is... And, so and like, cards. got in some damage. Yeah. Uh, removed a bunch of his creatures. Um, and then he, like, draws a card and sort of lights up, and I'm like, oh... What did you draw? And he he drew tooth and nail, oh. and he just had enough. It was late enough in the game that he just had enough lands in play to cast tooth and nail entwined. All right, so yeah, describe tooth this card. And, tooth and nail entwined is uh, five green green. Uh, choose one, search your library for up to two creatures, reveal them, put them into your hand, then shuffle your library, or put up to two creature cards from your hand onto the battlefield, entwine two for two colors. So it means if you pay the entwine cost, you get to do both. So nine mana. So if you have nine mana, you get to search for two creatures and put them into play. So the cards he found were Hornet Queen and Crater Hoof Behemoth. Oh! So he was able to... This, this was turn four of turns. So almost, almost the last... Basically his last chance to win. Yeah. Was this flunge mode for him? Yeah, pretty much. It okay. was like... All, all hands on deck, like everyone into the like, red I zone. I just put six creatures into play. I hope you're dead. Yeah, and <laughs> and I was able to survive at one life with, Yee! with like getting, I I knighted the royal queried for thespian stage. Un, uh, I untapped it somehow. I can't remember how. Script Ranger maybe or something. I thought uh, thespian or knight of the royal puts it into play untapped. Oh yeah, sorry. I I then copied my maze of Ith, then untapped it somehow and got oh, to okay. got to double maze creatures block things with. I got to untap my knight with Scrib Ranger to block his huge critter hoof behemoth, huh. so I didn't even take trample damage because I had it in place since like turn two. Huh. And I was able to survive like this massive swing. Huh. 
at One Life. And we both just like looked at each other at the end of the game and were like, it was like a super satisfying draw. That's pretty cool. And that's the only time I've ever been able to say that. Nice. So I think that's powerful magic. That's some powerful magic. Just that last little bit of like, I'm super dead here. All right, let's get in the tank. Let's do some math. And you're like, yeah, was, how many points of toughness can I can I invent to just was, keep from dying here? Yeah, it was crazy. Man. That was, that was like easily the best match of Highlander I've ever played. Huh. Cool. It's just like most enjoyable. And it was a draw, which, <laughs> I, if I didn't emphasize this enough, I hate draws. I like the, I like the stare except down at the end there, too. Except for that one. Except, except, that, except one. that one. It's like I don't wear hats except toques. All right. Well, that's our episode of, uh, of uh, I was going to say powerful magic. That's our episode of North 100 for the that, day. That one's another time. Yeah. <laughs> um, Thank you very much for tuning in. And as always, this episode is brought to you by your support, basically, over at the patreon.com slash run. We couldn't do this without you, so thank you very much for watching and for supporting us there and for helping support all the other Loading Ready Run content that we get to make. Uh, as we said, this was our second episode on the Let's Talk About X. So let us know down in the comments if you like where that's going. We'll, we can talk about control. We can talk about aggro. We can just make our way through sort of the, the big archetypes and nail all those if you're enjoying this little mini segment. Uh, and as, as always, thank you from uh, our North 100 team to you, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Cheers.